Welcome to our show, Holding Ground. My name is Laura Richer. I'm a psychotherapist and the owner of Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. Each week, I'm joined by another therapist from the Anchor Light team to tackle important topics in mental health and psychotherapy. Our goal is to promote well-being by normalizing mental health challenges. We are here holding ground for you every Tuesday morning at 9.30 a.m. on KKNW. Good morning. You're listening to Holding Ground, the show that brings you a little bit of everything in the realm of psychotherapy and positive mental health. And today I am here with my original co-host, Clinical Director of Anchor Light Therapy Collective, Michelle Mooney. Good morning, Michelle. How are you? Good morning, Laura. Good morning to our listeners. It's very exciting uh, to be back with you. And, you know, and, and at the same time, right, we have so many more skilled clinicians here, right, who are experts in all different areas. So it's great to sprinkle them in there and bring folks um, their perspective and their level of expertise. So you and I will Absolutely. still be doing these, um, but maybe more sporadically than originally. So yeah. Yes. Well, we are glad to have you and your expertise here today. So today we're going to be talking about a topic that I think is really relevant to what's going on in the world today. I don't know if you've noticed, but the world has kind of been on fire for the last three years. Mm -hmm. Right. Lots of stuff that we're reacting to right now. And being people who work in mental health, we're seeing how this impacts people. So Mm -hmm. uh, COVID, of course, we're still dealing with that. Lots of negative news, lots of political events, like all kinds of stuff is going on Mm -hmm. in the world that has been pretty upsetting to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a war on the other side of the world going on there's right now that. and yeah. um, watching and hearing about that. Right. Obviously, you know, a lot of gun violence um, that is just like increased so much. And I think I saw um, a statistic the other day, like since the beginning of the year, there's been like over 300 mass shootings. Right. So we hear about some of them, yeah. um, you know. So, I mean, yes. So I think this is a good topic to discuss today. Um, and you're right. It, it's kind of like pick your poison. There, There's a, a negative event going on. Um, it seems like almost every day, and this is causing a lot of distress, right? More than just stress, but uh, distress and clients. I don't know about you, Laura. I'm seeing, you know, in my sessions, like this is coming up constantly, right? Mm-hmm. The state of the world and how yeah. it's impacting people or regardless of, you know, what topic it is. And so, um, so yeah, uh, secondary trauma, right? So maybe we're not over in Ukraine, right? Maybe we're not in Europe that is having intense heat waves right now and burning down, but we're exposed to this information. And so secondary trauma, right, is repeatedly um, uh, witness to it, right? Whether it's on the news, in person, So Michelle, I want to explain to our listeners a little bit about secondary trauma um, and have you explain what people might notice if they were experiencing that. Because of course, we're upset when we see something on the news about school shootings or climate change. But sometimes there's one thing to see information and process it and see that it's negative and move through that. But sometimes people get stuck in it a little bit. So maybe tell our listeners a little bit more about what secondary trauma might look like for somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, secondary trauma has um, pretty much the same exact symptoms as we can see with um, if a trauma were to directly 
happen to you. So um, a big one right now is hypervigilance, right? Kind of being on alert and almost expecting something else to go wrong is what I'm seeing with a lot of clients. Um, and so, and of course, right, we're humans too. And we have these experiences watching these things. So I'm kind of waiting for the next thing to happen. Um, you know, other things like increased irritability, um, these things can deteriorate, you know, our connections with others, um, how much we're showing up to work, uh, nightmares, um, all of these things that we see with tra traditional PTSD as if it's happening um, directly to you, these things can also come out of secondary trauma or other terms that we sometimes hear for it are secondhand PTSD, um, secondhand traumatic stress, um, second, you know, secondary trauma, as we're saying, and then also compassion fatigue. So that comes out for a lot of people who are maybe in helping fields where there's this ongoing demand to um, be compassionate to people and, you know, folks can get burnt out on that. So there's all these different ways that um, it can be um, presented or uh, triggered by. So how would that be different than a, a primary trauma? Mm -hmm. Is it, are the symptoms really the same? Would you notice anything different or just the fact that you have either witnessed that primary trauma has actually happened to you. Secondary is really more something that you've witnessed happening to someone else, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. To someone else. So maybe it's not directly impacting your life, right? Maybe, you know, all in all, you're doing okay. Um, you know, thankfully, none of these things are directly impacting your life, but you know that they're going on, you know, depending on how much you are exposed. You know, one thing is, is people are sitting, watching the news, you know, breaking news, breaking news, right? They're constantly hearing about it. And, you know, a, a secondary, secondary thing here is a lot, you know, we're, we're all going through it in, in some way or another. So there's this collective feeling of secondary trauma in a lot of ways. So, yeah. um, but yeah, so maybe symptoms are a little bit more mild, but, um, you know, really uh, thinking even like secondary trauma can show up, um, you know, outside of what we're talking about. So like, let's say you're growing up in a home where you witnessed your mom being abused, right? So that's mm -hmm. not directly happening to you, but that's a very traumatic event. Right. And um, overall, what's happening, I think, with a lot of these things is what it's doing is it's really impacting um, and kind of degrading our sense of safety overall, right? And it comes down to safety in a lot of ways right now with yeah. all of these things that are going on. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and I, I've seen this with actually several different clients. You know, of course, the pandemic significantly impacted people in different ways and they had a lot of responses to it. Um, and then with the school shootings, I had a client a little while ago who could not stop crying about the school shooting in mm -hmm. Texas and was very impacted by it. And also was confused a little bit because she said, I don't even know any of these people. I know that this is mm. a sad thing that happened. And at the same time, I am so impacted by it that I, she missed work that day and, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. really, you know, couldn't move forward, which makes sense in a lot of ways. That's, that was a hugely tragic event, mm -hmm. but sometimes I think people can really have a stronger reaction than maybe they normally would in it. And it can surprise them. So mm -hmm. what are some things that you can do if you notice that climate change or the things on the news, uh, or the pandemic or whatever are, are really starting to have some significant trauma effects mm -hmm. and maybe impacting your day-to-day -day life? 
Right. And it, and it really is, right? These things are really impacting, I think, a lot of people's day-to-day lives. And so, and again, I think a really big one is what's next, what's around uh, the corner. But, you know, one thing, like you're asking what can folks do? Some people feel this sense of almost uh, can feel like guilt around, well, do I deserve to take care of myself, right? Look at everything that's going on in the world. Some people can't take care of themselves. So, you know, why do I deserve self-care right now? Well, we can't do anything, right? We can't be activists. We can't uh, help out in any sort of way if we're not taking care of ourselves, right? So that whole concept of you can't pour from an empty cup. And mm-hmm. so we, we're we not able to be maybe as compassionate or responsive to things that we really want to be. And whether that's helping out with what's going on, if that's just interactions in your family and at work, right? You're, you're distracted, right? You're not as your full self. So if we're not taking care of ourselves we still we still need to do that and one way I've really noticed this that people do this is that they will um, diminish their own experience they'll say like well Mm -hmm. worse things are happening and so I really shouldn't Mm -hmm. be depressed Mm -hmm. and that isn't and and just to to let anyone off the hook who feels guilty about that that isn't helpful you not Mm -hmm. processing and acknowledging your own emotional experience Mm -hmm. doesn't change anything for anyone else. And in Mm -hmm. fact, just like you said, Michelle, it makes it harder for you to have capacity to be able to be there for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, losing the capacity to respond wisely to the world and what's going on. And you're talking about processing emotions. And I think that's really um, important because a lot of folks are just, I'm so stressed. I'm so stressed. Well, say more about that. What are your emotions? Is it sadness? Is it disappointment? Is it anger? And let's talk about that. Let's get it um, externalized. So you are processing it because, you know, if we're not really talking about our emotions, it can be hard to attune to the emotions of others who might need support um, because we're not acknowledging our own, right? We might not want to acknowledge other people's because of that. Because like you're saying, kind of, people might not even know what their emotions are with the one client that you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And find it confusing. And they might not even realize what it is that's impacting them, that maybe it is. Here's another one. I don't know if you ever hear this from people. They feel a sense of of almost guilt that they would pull back from taking in all of this information because it Mm. feels uh, irresponsible to not be aware of -hmm. what is happening in the world. So they're watching Mm -hmm. the news cycle. They're watching all the breaking news. They're getting all the data about Mm -hmm. the things that are happening. And, and it's not really helping anything. Mm -hmm. No, it's not. And that's definitely one thing I talk to a lot of clients about is limit your intake of news. And so grab what you need, right? So if that means when you wake up in the morning, look at a couple headlines, you know, because there is obviously relevant things that we want to know about. But then you don't have to engage in it all day long, right? It can be existing, but you don't have to reach out and grab it and look at it and interact with it. Um, So there is definitely a balance. um, And we don't want to take our eyes off of things that are going on, but um, limiting how uh, long our eyes are on it every single day, I think is important. And that's social media, 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 you know, podcasts, you know, uh, except for this one, you can listen to this one, this one and do it on repeat. (laughs) And uh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, and and then again, recognizing where you can be of service, where you can offer some sort of contribution and focusing your attention there. And that's great. But you taking in all of the negative information and just holding it Mm 
mm-hmm. because there's some things that we can't do anything about in my mm-hmm. power on this planet is limited. And I don't have mm-hmm. a lot of influence on when we go to war or what's, what's happening with mm-hmm. the climate. And so while there are places that I can have influence and I definitely put my attention there, mm-hmm. I try to, to maybe block out some of the other stuff just because there's, you know, we only can hold so much. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, with uh, direct PTSD and trauma, or if it's indirect, you know, what's happening is our fight or flight is now engaged. And that's very uh, toxic to the body if we're continuing in this state of acute stress and toxic stress is a lot of what's going on right now. So if you're in fight or flight, um, you know, your cortisol hormone, that's a stress hormone way up the adrenaline way up, right? And that's where the discomfort then in body comes from. And so if you're constantly and fight or flight, it really, it, over time, it does deteriorate your physical health mm-hmm. as well. So um, that's another reason why limiting it and then taking care of ourselves and specifically if we're in fight or flight, you know, how do we self-soothe in those moments? What is yeah. soothing? Um, and there's a lot of different things that work for a lot of different people. So what is the most soothing thing to you might be the different for me, but obviously sure. we also know, you know, the traditional ones like deep breathing. Absolutely. There's a reason it's it's not just deep, take a deep breath. It really calms the nervous system. Um, but other things like um, humming, uh, singing, uh, the vibration um, is soothing to our bodies. Um, putting something like a bitter candy in your mouth, you're shocking your system, um, become really cold. Um, so if you can dunk your, and, and really this is a skill, dunking your face mm-hmm. in like an ice cold water. Yeah. If there's piles of snow outside, go roll around in it. Um, whatever it is to shock your system out of this fight or flight, um, uh, you know, is is really important. And then you can hopefully more productively go about your day. Mm-hmm. And I know with, so with secondary trauma, especially if it's related to seeing world events and things like that, we do have the ability maybe to limit some of our exposure to some of those things. We might be able to take our attention off the news or um, not look at our social media, but there are other people who experience secondary trauma who, who are often in the healthcare field Mm -hmm. or emergency Mm -hmm. responders who Mm -hmm. they don't have that choice. It's their job to help Mm -hmm. support people in trauma. So Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What are some recommendations you have for those folks or what are some specific challenges they might face? Yeah, I mean, oh gosh, you know, talking to some healthcare workers, um, you know, nurses in particular are um, very much underpaid for the yeah. amount of work they're doing, um, the consistent exposure to not only COVID, but watching people suffer from COVID or other medical uh, instances, like if you're talking about EMS, right? They're picking up, you know, and transporting all kinds of people who are under physical distress in some sort of way and watching other people suffer constantly day in and day out is is really difficult. And, you know, uh, healthcare workers signed up to, you know, uh, take care of people, right? Mm-hmm. And to be there. And so, but um, like I had one of my best friends, she became a nurse at the beginning of the pandemic. And it's kind of like, oh, wow. this isn't one I... It, 
exactly signed yeah. up for, right? I want to be yeah. able to help, but this is a lot. And so um, there's actually a statistic I read um, recently where, um, you know, they did a, um, a study with some healthcare workers and 88.2% of doctors and 79.2% of nurses um, were found to have some sort of secondary uh, uh, traumatic stress disorder um, at this point after going through um, COVID. And, you know, those levels are high as well, even before the time of the pandemic, but especially uh, right now. Um, so again, the kind of um, coping strategies that um, I already suggested can also be beneficial as well. But, you know, I'm seeing a lot of healthcare workers change their jobs, right, or go from working in a hospital to a clinic, right, where, you know, they're doing nine to five, and they're doing dermatology and not emergency response and putting people in the ICU. So, you know, I could go on and on about it, right? But we're not, we're, we're not valuing our healthcare workers in a way that says, you know, like that is compensating them for uh, the amount of work that they're doing. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And besides maybe monetary compensation, what could we do to better support them? I mean, I think about what a difficult job being a nurse is. Not only do you need to be skilled in uh, medical care, but you also, there's this expectation that you are empathetic and compassionate mm -hmm. and nurturing mm -hmm. and have a good bedside manner. And that's hard to do mm -hmm. all those things in mm -hmm. traumatic environments, in a pandemic environment, or, mm -hmm. you know, with, with patients mm -hmm. who are a difficult population. I have a client, I had a client a couple of years ago who was a nurse in a psychiatric hospital where her, there, there was danger. There was a threat physical of physical danger. harm mm -hmm. and it took yep. a huge, huge toll to where she wasn't able to sustain in that environment. And yet we really need people who work in those environments. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And so, yeah, it's how do we show, and we, you know, as a system and we, you know, in healthcare in general, how do we show value in a lot of different ways towards the folks that are doing this? And, you know, what you're really getting at is burnout, right? There's only so much to give and folks who are experiencing burnout can start to feel numb to being able to attune to their patients. You know, mm -hmm. they might be still doing what's necessary, but can they show up for their patients um, entirely, right? Emotionally and physically, are they rushing or being hasty in certain tasks, right? Where maybe they were used to um, have more focus. Um, so, and um, yeah, we're having to take time off and, you know, if that's not available to them um, right now. So, you know, people are really um, struggling in the healthcare field. So, I mean, I think it's a systematic issue um, and um, yeah, so. Yeah, well, that is definitely true. Um, and for some of us that do work in healthcare, and of course you and I work as therapists, which requires, um, focus and attention on other people. Mm -hmm. And I know for myself, I absolutely love the work I do. And I have to be mindful of how I take care of myself outside of work. So what would you recommend to people who are in a, a caregiving type of profession like we are to, mm -hmm. to, so that they can do the work that they love and want to do to, mm -hmm. to really support themselves and maybe prevent secondary trauma and burnout Mm -hmm. and try to keep some balance. Not always possible, but uh -huh. what are yeah. some tips? Yeah. Engaging in things that you find meaning in or fun in, you know, we all could use a little bit more fun and laughter right now to essentially 
distract and, um, you know, and that we have to chop up the negative instances, right? They're going on, we're paying attention to it, we're showing up for work, but what can we do outside of the work to reef, uh, outside of our work time to refill that cup? It's connecting with others. That's so important, right? We're relational human beings and focusing on our relationships right now. And what we continue to practice just gets stronger and stronger. So hopefully the self-care becomes more routine over time. But again, you know, putting your feelings into words, you you know, getting outside is a really important one. Nature um, is, there's actually um, doctors now who prescribe going outside and going outside more because we know the the benefits of it. Um, So, um, you know, building up self rituals around self-care. So, yeah, and then limiting or paying attention to what we're paying attention to all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what if somebody's really struggling? What if the symptoms have escalated to a point where they're not really able to self-soothe? Mm-hmm. What would you yeah. recommend? Well, um, I think you know the answer to that question, right? <laughs> you can come on in and visit a therapist and, you know, enhance your skills of coping because sometimes people don't know. And, you know, the danger with uh, healthcare workers or any of us right now who are struggling, um, we're seeing this a lot in teens um, who are in school and constantly afraid of um, a, a school shooting, um, yeah. you know, it, they are engaging in maladaptive coping mechanisms. And, you know, the number one, uh, one that tends to be substance use, right? Because that's easy. You can go to CVS, pick up a thing of tequila, and you're not feeling that night. Mm-hmm. And if we're numbing, though, negative emotions, right? We're also negating, ne- uh, sorry, uh, numbing the positive ones as well. Yeah. So if you find yourself engaging in maladaptive coping behaviors, that's a good indicator that you're going to need um, a higher level of, you know, connection with a therapist or a prescriber, Um, you know, hopefully if you're taking medication, you're also doing talk therapy as well. Um, But that's where we step into time where, you know, seeking out resources beyond yourself and maybe your loved ones. Getting some additional support. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you point out, the substances can be very Mm -hmm. appealing because they're an immediate Uh, You get Uh an immediate relief from whatever you're struggling with. However, that tequila that you're soothing your anxiety with is going to make your anxiety 10 times worse the next day when you Uh wake up. It's still there. It didn't Uh go away. And so therapy, there's different types of therapies that you can do to help process stress and trauma that Uh will be much more effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the anxiety that comes back the next day, right? You've suppressed your nervous system so much, and now the substance is gone, and now your nervous system is even more activated, right? So, yeah, you're exactly right. And whatever we were trying to numb the night before um, is there the next morning and unprocessed and unresolved. So, and until we resolve these things and uh, process them, they live inside of us emotionally and physically. Going back to what we were talking a little bit about earlier, trying to diminish the response that you're having is also not going to be helpful. Sometimes people feel a lot of shame. They think I shouldn't be upset by this. I should be able to do what I'm I've trained to do for my job or, or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. And, and the shoulds and the shame also are not going to support you. That's not going to help you process that feeling Mm -hmm. or, or just Mm -hmm. get over it. 
Yeah, giving yourself compassion for where you're at and then nurturing the things that you, you know, might be absent and and that you need. Um, you know, what is your asking yourself, what is your vulnerability and distress need? Is it is it therapy? Is it swimming? Is it a hug from your partner? Whatever it might be, take care of those things. Um, and so, and showing yourself compassion around where you're at, because you got there for some reason, right? And you might be working 110 hours a week in the ER. Well, that's how you got there. That's not normal. That's not what we should be doing. So of course yeah. you're going to maybe feel um, some of that compassion fatigue. And so shame, right? You're talking about shoulds. Um, shoulds directly translate to shame, right? I should have cleaned the house today. I should have shown up better for work, all of these things. And then the direct result is that sense of I'm bad in some sort of way, or I failed in some sort of way. And what does trauma look like if it goes untreated? Mm, uh-huh. Um, one of the ways that it can directly affect us is the most tends to be in our overall functioning and it tends to be in overall functioning the most in our relationships. So if that's with our children, with our coworkers, with our partners, right? So you and I are couples therapists and how often do you see trauma and trauma responses affecting uh, relationships with others. So, and then again, physical health, um, if we're constantly under acute stress, uh, we know it affects things like our blood pressure. We know it affects things like, um, you know, heart health, brain health, uh, blood pressure, physical fatigue and pain. Um, so if we're constantly exposed to this, we're really, you know, just thinking of, unfortunately, the word decay keeps coming to mind for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. So lots of good reasons to if you are struggling with any of these mental health issues to just take a look at them and, and there's lots of support, there's therapy, there's different things that you can do so you can process it and move mm-hmm. through it because it, it can really have a significant impact if it, if it goes unaddressed. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Take care of yourself. Very basics. If nothing else, meet your basic needs, eat, uh, sleep, um, you know, sleep could do wonders. Exactly. How different do you feel when you have eight hours versus two, right? Your body needs these things. You need rest. And that's a big important one too, is we need rest. And however you get your rest, obviously we want you to get your sleep, but if we're working back to back 12 hours, right? How do you, how can you rest differently? Um, so yeah. Yeah. And turn the news off sometimes if it feels like it's really triggering Uh that fight or flight nervous system response. If you feel very agitated, it's time to take a break and that's okay. No one's going to benefit from you getting into that escalated place. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Yep. So, all right, Michelle, well, thanks for joining me today. Lots of great tips on what, how to identify and what to do. If you're experiencing secondary trauma, you can of course go to anchorlighttherapy.com and schedule a complimentary consultation with a therapist here, mm-hmm. or use some of the tips that we discussed today. So thanks mm-hmm. for joining us and we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into Holding Ground. You can hear us here every Tuesday morning at 9.30 a.m. on KKNW. I'm Laura Richard, Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. And we'll see you next week.